Hey weirdo, what's your superpower, and how will you use it to change the world? Welcome to Season 2 of Just Us Weirdos, a weekly, serialized fiction podcast about learning to be heroic, no matter how weird your power might be. I'm the creator and producer of the show, Charlie White, and I'm so glad you're joining us here for the story today. But before we get to the story, let's start with a word from our sponsor. I'm bored. Do you feel like making something on the printer today, Sam? Yeah, maybe we could use a 3D printer. I don't know, the 3D printer sounds a little complicated today. I was thinking maybe more simple. Could we use the 2D printer? We could, but I'd really like to get back to basics. Maybe this would be a good time to try out the new 1D printer from Shamazon. Yay! Shamazon's latest 1D printer with direct injection technology helps you create the simplest things in life. What's the point? The 1D printer. Get to the point with the 1D printer from Shamazon. Last episode on Just Us Weirdos, we saw Graphene, Teal Titan, and Beninja making their way into Binary Consolidated's facilities. Beninja snuck into a lab and made some new equipment for Teal Titan. While Graphene found the secret elevator shaft to access floor nine and a half, where she is hoping to find either the mind-controlling Caduceus or Bernie Connors. Today, we're going to follow her and see what she finds. But first, a content warning. This show was designed with a particular listener in mind. If you're triggered by content that might induce laughter or imagination, this isn't the program for you. Just cover your ears and ask your child what happened when it's all over. For the rest of you, get comfortable, think of something weird, and put a smile on your face. It's time for issue 34 of Just Us Weirdos. The Supervillains Museum. Perhaps the strangest room in all of Binary Consolidated surrounds the superhero Graphene. Graphene takes off her mask, becoming Amina Amparo, and she looks around. The mysterious floor nine and a half of Binary Tower is just one big room. Most of Binary Consolidated is decorated in stark white and polished titanium. Floor nine and a half has a black stone floor, a dark paneled ceiling, and shiny walls made out of some dark material. From the outside, Amina saw windows all around, but now that she's inside, all she sees are the shiny walls. Somehow, this looks like a normal office floor from outside the building, but a black box on the inside. But not everything is black. All around her are well-lit glass display cases. Each display is a pool of white light in an otherwise dark room. The whole room has the effect of being a museum curated by a very rich and very strange person. There are probably two dozen display cases all around the vast room, which might sound like a lot, except that the room is about the size of a soccer field. This means each display is like an island separated by a sea of night. The elevator shaft Amina is stepping out of is a pillar set in the very center of the room. Amina takes a deep breath in 
but she cannot hear even her own breath. She feels a momentary sense of fear, as all sound seems to get swallowed up by some weird trick of acoustics in the room. She steps toward the nearest display case, and her footfall also makes no sound. For a moment, she wishes she could just be a normal kid, reading a book under a blanket at home right now. She wishes she had her best friend with her. She wishes her best friend wasn't on the path to becoming a supervillain. Amina shakes her head. If Mrs. Work is storing the Caduceus anywhere, it's here. This place is basically a supervillain museum for powerful artifacts. Amina builds her resolve and walks quickly towards the closest display case. In it is a scarf-like object. It's like one of those animal head hats kids wear in the winter, with long flaps on the side that end in mittens. Except this one doesn't have an animal head, and the mittens at the end of the scarf parts are studded with rainbow-colored crystals. As Amina steps toward the case, another light shines down from the ceiling and spells out letters on the floor in a clean, sans-serif font. The letters spell out the name of the object, the Prismatic Gateway Apparatus. There's even a little trademark symbol at the end. Amina's not sure what she's looking at, but she knows it isn't the Caduceus. So she moves on to the next display case. She makes her way through several other cases, containing various items that look like hybrids of technology and art. She actually has no idea what many of them even are. But all of them fill her with a sense of fear that she can't quite place. As she makes her way to the outside of the room, she can see around the central pillar where the elevator is. On the other side of the room, there are no display cases. Instead, the room is dominated by a giant, white, triangular vehicle. It's only about 10 feet tall, but it's as big around as a house. As Amina looks, a sign illuminates on the machine and reveals it to be the Terran Evacuation Torpedo Module. Below the name of the machine, there is a picture of Gwenifer Work with a checklist next to it. It reads, Location, Fixed, Status, Primed, Capacity, Nine, Destination, Binary Orbital Research Platform. Amina doesn't understand much of what she's looking at, but she remembers her best friend Dagny complaining about the BORP, or Binary Orbital Research Platform, several years ago. Amina didn't really understand it at the time, but Mr. Work, Dagny's dad, took a job working on that platform. Or maybe it's more accurate to say he was given a job on the platform by Mrs. Work, Dagny's mom. In either case, Dagny basically hasn't had a dad on Earth in the last five years. Seeing this vehicle, which Amina thinks might be some kind of spaceship, makes her realize how difficult it must be to be a member of the Work family. Amina thinks about her own parents, who don't know she's a superhero, but who love her and support her, and only very occasionally ground her. She thinks of the stories her friends told her about Jules Jones' parents, who found out that Jules was a superhero, but supported him anyway. Seeing this machine, knowing her best friend's mom built it, and now stores it in a secret supervillain museum on a secret floor lodged in the middle of the world's most valuable company, which she happens to run, Amina swallows hard. She's never really appreciated how different Dagny is from her, 
Dagny has grown up around money and power and spaceships and ambition. Really, it's amazing she ever used her powers for good at all. Dagny's whole childhood seems like a recipe for making a supervillain. Amina walks away from the spaceship and walks past another display containing a supercomputer shaped like an octagon. It's as tall as a person. She barely reads the sign for this one. The Proactive Artificially Intelligent Customer Influencer. Not for the first time, Amina questions whether she's the right person for this superhero job. Amina. The cold voice of Mrs. Work seems to wrap around Amina and pin her to the floor. Amina looks around, but can't tell where the voice is coming from, or if Mrs. Work is even really here. It might just be a recording. But that hope goes away as a figure comes out from behind the pillar. It's Mrs. Work. Sort of. She's wearing the binary power suit from her waist up, but she has six legs. Sort of. Around her waist is a sort of belt made from the same kind of plastic and titanium panels that made up the giant NSE suit that attacked binary towers weeks ago. From this belt, four human-sized insectoid legs are coming out and holding Mrs. Work up off the ground. Atop Mrs. Work's head is a simple, circular crown made of the same material. It was mere weeks ago that a truck-sized intelligent spider robot merged with the brain of one of Mrs. Work's business rivals, and these two brains became obsessed with revenge and attacked and nearly destroyed Binary Tower, the headquarters of Mrs. Work's company. In the weeks since, Mrs. Work's team have taken apart the spider robot and reinvented it to be a personal suit for Mrs. Work herself, presumably controlled by the crown. For anyone else, this would be a surprise. But given that it's Mrs. Work, the only surprise Amina has is that it took her a few weeks to make a new supersuit for herself. The Caduceus isn't here, Mrs. Work says, correctly guessing what brought Amina to Binary Tower. I don't believe you, Amina says to her best friend's supervillain mom in a robot suit. It was here, Mrs. Work says. I kept it here for a few days after I brainwashed the whole city to believe that the only superheroes that existed were the ones I created, I didn't see much more use for the Caduceus. So I thought about putting it in storage. But then I saw another use for it. Long story short, I don't have it anymore. Amina folds her arms. Why should I believe you? You wouldn't destroy something so powerful. <laughs> You're right, and I didn't destroy it. I sold it. What? Well, I suppose my lawyers would say it's more correct to say that I licensed it. I took the Caduceus apart and built it into a machine that uses its mind control power in a slightly different way. There are many businesses who value that kind of technology greatly. Amina is stunned, but it makes sense. Mrs. Work is ever the business person. It doesn't make sense that she'd get rid of the Caduceus, but it does make sense that she'd use it to make money. So who'd you sell it to? Amina asks. 
License, Mrs. Work says. Binary still owns the technology. But now it's in Mrs. Ponzone's possession. What? Isn't she your rival? <laughs> She's not good enough to be my rival, Mrs. Work says. And besides... She has money that she's willing to pay me. Amina's mind is connecting the dots. So, you built a machine out of the Caduceus and sold, I mean, licensed it to her. Now she's using that machine to mind control animals. And somehow she's given them superpowers. Correct. And I'm disappointed because she's not using this to make a profit. Which means Binary is not making as much money as we could be off of what she's doing with our technology. I need you to help me. I need you to convince your friends to team up with me so together we can stop her. (laughs) Graphene can't help herself. She laughs so hard she falls to her knees. What is funny right now, Mrs. Work says. This isn't a joke. Her super animals are attacking Quadropolis as we speak. That's eating into my profit margins. Seeing that her argument isn't winning over Amina, Mrs. Work continues. And, um, people need to be saved? Mrs. Work shakes her head and looks down, then says, Computer, deactivate Windows. The blackness of the shiny walls surrounding the museum fades away and they turn into normal windows as daylight sweeps over floor nine and a half of Binary Tower. Mrs. Work and Amina walk over to one of the windows. Amina on two legs and Mrs. Work on six. They look down over Quadropolis. Everywhere in the city, they can see snot rhinos knocking over cars and sticking people to the ground, or laser gators setting things on fire with their eyes, and rope sloths tying people to the ground and grappling gorillas wrestling people. Quadropolis needs heroes, Mrs. Work says. And right now, it doesn't care if the heroes are motivated by money or by some commoner sense of what is right. We must combine our efforts. And by the way, it isn't just strangers who are in trouble. Mrs. Work points to one of the tents where Binary has been disassembling the NSA suit. A group of drones is fighting against Mrs. Ponzone's super animals. Your friend, Bernie Connors, is in that tent. Amina stares at her city under attack by superpowered animals. You might be right about needing to team up. She says, but I can't make that decision for all of the weirdos. Every problem we're having right now has been caused by one person making a decision without actually talking to the other people who are involved. I'm going to talk to my friends first. Mrs. Work shrugs. Then do it quickly. Amina nods and begins to walk toward the elevator. Mrs. Work, pointing to a display case, interrupts her. Take that with you. I think you'll find it helpful. On the display case she points at is a slightly oversized banana made of titanium and neon yellow plastic. Amina picks it up and turns to say something to Mrs. Work, but she's already gone.
Thank you, dear listener, for listening to issue 34 of Just Us Weirdos. Remember, you can always find us online at justusweirdos.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Just Us Weirdos. We always love hearing from our listeners, and you can email us at hero at justusweirdos.com. Thanks to Joe Carnwath, who wrote, produced, and performed our theme music with Trumpet by James Carnwath. Check out Joe's music online at joecarnwath.com or find him on Spotify. The song you're listening to right now is Cinderella, used by permission from Love Hustler, who you can also find on Spotify. Thanks for listening, and remember, be kind, be creative, and most of all, be weird. See you next week, weirdos. 